Welcome, 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 geeks and nerds, girls and boys, to another all-new edition of geek to me Radio, our second annual Halloween show. We are joined by actor Butch Patrick, who played Eddie Munster in the beloved 60s series The Munster. We'll talk with Victor Gishler, who is the scribe on Marvel's new Spirits of Vengeance. And we'll have our Thor Ragnarok recap. Stand by. We're talking to you. And for all of you celebrating Halloween this upcoming Tuesday, uh, lots to celebrate. Stranger Things just dropped on Netflix. Uh, there are horror movies abound out there to see and lots to do. Uh, this Halloween weekend, if you were a member of Tenacious Eats, came out and enjoyed their Beetlejuice event last night. Uh, I got to meet a lot of new friends. I'm now the official host of those Tenacious Eats events. So those of you who were at the Beetlejuice showing last night, it was very nice to meet you all. It seemed like everyone had a great time, and I thank you for tuning in today and listening. Without further ado, we're going to get right to our first interview. We're joined right now on the phone by Butch Patrick, most famously for the role of Eddie Munster in the classic series, The Munsters. Butch, has there ever been a time when The Munsters has not been on TV in uh, reruns or something? It seems like Anytime you turn on the TV, you can find it. Yeah. Well, a few years after the show aired, the syndication didn't really kick in until the late 60s, early 70s. So there was a few years after the show went off the air, but it was immediately uh, one of, the, one of the, uh, the staples in the original syndication packaging. So it wasn't very long, but there were a few years. And I know that uh, it's uh, kind of like an untalked about rivalry. People are always asking, what do you like better, Adam's Family or the Munsters? And ratings-wise, the Munsters did much better as far as the ratings than the Adam's Family. And you guys were on the air about the same exact same amount of time. Um, to what do you attribute the Munsters' higher success rate? Well, uh, you know, it's interesting because uh, ne- never in television history had there been like a parallel two shows of parallel uh, content somewhat. And ABC, was, they were on ABC on Friday night. We were on Thursday nights on CBS. And The Addams Family was based on a very dark-humored um, comic strip in The New Yorker, the Charles Adams comic strip, The Addams mm-hmm. Family. And where The Munsters, The Munsters was more of a Leave it to Beaver type show with, with uh, makeup and family values. And we were very... Much, I, in fact, I, I jokingly tell people the way to tell the difference between the shows is the Munsters were people who looked like monsters, and the Adams family were monsters who looked like people. <laughs> and, and but the good thing about it was whether you liked the one, whether you preferred one or the other, each show helped each other's existence because it was a very good chance you watched them both. 
Right. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Uh, being on different days and everything, that was more uh, people didn't have DVRs in the day. So there was very much a must see TV event. You had to sit down and watch it. You couldn't miss it or just record it. Absolutely. So what do you think has been, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're still doing conventions. You're still uh, appearing in roles in movies and TV shows. Um, do you think it's just kind of like that zeitgeist where people love the nostalgia and because there's so much Internet and social media capability, is it just like the perfect storm for you that's kind of brought all this into being? Well, the, the 60s, the pop culture impact that the 60s had, uh, you know, the 60s is the decade that Stephen actually taught colleges today for like the social uh impact it had on society but the fact of the matter is television kind of was invented in the 50s you know 40s and 50s but the 60s is when the sitcom really gained its uh identity to where before radio shows were being broadcast on a tv screen but they were they were set up as a radio show they were just one-dimensional with the sitcoms like um like the monsters and you had comedies like my favorite Martian and and uh, oh goodness we I did my I did I my three sons my, yeah. my three sons you had I Dream of Genie you had Mr. Ed's and all these kind of great shows that weren't reality based but were very funny to watch and people just wanted to come home and be entertained and because television was the main form of entertainment after the dinner hour that's why so many people watch the shows. And in your career working in both movies and TV, gosh, the, the names of the people that you could drop that you worked with, just mm-hmm. such incredible people. Uh, of the many people that you've worked with, was there a standout, a favorite, a person you learned the most from uh, acting-wise? Well, on the Munsters, Fred Gwynn uh, taught me a lot because we had a lot of father and son situations, and there was some stretching of the Eddie, the Eddie character had a couple of uh, you know interesting times when the scripts were written that, that you know I had to like improvise a few things that Fred would help me with. Al Lewis, on the other hand, you know he was a very outgoing guy. He always took the time to throw a baseball with me off the set, you know, when we weren't in front of the camera. So they all lent something to me. And Yvonne DiCarlo was a great TV mom, but. Outside the monsters, outside of that group, uh, some of the actors that I was lucky enough to work with that I really that impacted me was like Burt Lancaster. I did a movie with him and Judy Garland. He was just a great guy. I loved him. With this, you know, really thought he was cool. And my mom, you know, I did the Bureau McCoys for two years, and Richard Crenna and Walter Brennan were really good people. Yeah. Eddie Albert, I was. I did my first movie with Eddie Albert and Jane Wyatt. Eddie Albert, I worked with again, and he was wonderful. So I should, just being around these people and working with them was just an honor in itself. And Lidsville, you got to work with Charles Nelson Riley, who's just his comedic genius is still it holds up to this day. You go back and watch some of his stuff, and he was fantastically uh, talented comedic wise. Well, he really is, and especially you know he his. <laughs> if you ever seen Alec Baldwin do his CNR, yeah. uh, Charles lives with us. He lives on. <laughs> Absolutely, and General Hospital too, a, 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 a soap opera. From everything I've been told, soap opera acting is so vastly different from regular TV show acting. So what uh, your role in General Hospital, talk a little bit about that and how it kind of changed you as an actor, per se. Well, you know, you got to remember, I'm just really a seven-year-old kid, and this was my first, my first three interviews. One was a movie with Eddie Albert and Jane Wyatt, which I got. Another was a commercial for Kellogg's, and the third was General Hospital. So at that point in time, I literally was just playing a little boy, of course, Dr. Hardy's girlfriend's son, uh, so at least I was around the lead character a lot. Mm. So I would come in and interact with them and do my little business and go about my, you know, go on with my day. But it was the closest thing to live audience acting that you'd get. They would, you know, they would rehearse, rehearse, rehearse until two in the afternoon when they actually would shoot the show live. 
And that's, I know there's a lot of, uh, as, a, as a, you said, as a child, there's probably not as many lines you had to learn about that, but uh, some, some, so many great people have come out of the uh, soap opera genre and gone on to other acting, things oh, like yeah. that. So I think it's a great thing to have under your belt for sure. Oh, it was. It was good training, no doubt. And it's like the movie with, with Eddie Albert with six weeks of training, and I've never done any work, but I'm working with him and Jane Wyatt and Soupy Sales and Brenda Lee. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was just, it was just a great show. Uh, Nancy Culp, you know, Miss Hathaway from the Beverly Hills yeah. Village was my teacher. So we had a really good, I had a very good start with some great folks. And you're still knocking out movies and TV appearances. Uh, most recently, we've seen you in Zombie Dream, Bite School, uh, a lot of horror-themed <laughs> shows, obviously. That, uh, that's kind of like uh, your, your niche, I guess. Well, what I do is I'm not really an actor. I was just a kid who could do the job. It was never a career calling. It was more of a convenient way to make money to buy my race car, what <laughs> I was hoping to do when I got older. I mean, I knew very young, I knew that I wasn't going to be a career actor, and I was always going to be you know, involved with vehicles and cars. And the Munsters, you know, because we had George Barris, the Munster coach, and the Dragon, yeah. you know, we had very cool cars at a very early stage, so I was always in love with the vehicles. But the movies you mentioned, a lot of those are just independent, low-budget features, but I always like to make myself available if I can to help people and young filmmakers because a lot of filmmakers, young and old, really enjoyed the Munsters because they enjoyed the quality of the work and the quality of the, pro- of, the uh, of the production. Universal was the monster movie set. And they, they made the monster studio. They were the monster studio. So they knew how to do the, the lighting and the set design and, the, and all that kind of stuff that went into making the, the black and white movies uh, so good. And they applied that to the Munsters. And there was even a uh, reboot of the Munsters. They attempted it in the 80s. Had, with everything old being new again, has anyone approached you about saying, hey, we'd like to try to uh, do another Munsters either as a film or bring it back as a TV series in some way? Is there anything out there that's being discussed? Yes, actually there is. It's funny you should bring that up. Uh, uh, Seth, Seth Myers right now has got the rights to doing a reboot He's going to bring the Munsters to New York. He wants to make it a New York-based Brooklyn family. Uh, I told him I would be more than happy to, you know, anything that he would like for me to input, input or help out or suggest. So I wrote a nice uh, treatment, which I thought was what the Munsters, to, you know, the Munsters would need today to make it work and what I thought would be fun. And hopefully we'll be meeting with him uh, sometime in a few weeks when I pass through New York City in the middle of October. Fantastic. That would be so cool, especially with someone uh, with his writing skills as well, doing a project like yep. that. That must be a dream. That would be great. I'd love to be part of a, a sit down at the table with a bunch of creative people and hopefully lend a little bit of insights and, the, and so hopefully some help of what I think the thing would be. Because, I, you know, I, I think the main thing in the Munsters today, even though, you know, it wasn't really that good, it carried the Munsters name. Kids watched it for the first time. They had never seen the old one. And they were entertained enough to keep it on the air for three years. But if you do something in a New York area situation, because Fred and Al were from New York, you know, so you can sort of play on that New York-based comedy angle. But the fact is, if you can bring in the old folks and still get the young kids to watch it, that's the trick is how do you span the gap between the millennials and the old-timer baby boomers? Exactly. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, the, that's where you want to be as far as the viewership. That's for mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So yeah. people who want to see you, I know we just were lucky enough to have you at the, uh, the Toy Man Toy Show this past Sunday there in, uh, at the Machinist Hall on the Rock Road. And you've got a bunch of uh-huh. upcoming appearances as well. So tell people if they want to look you up, where they can find you on Twitter and Instagram and, and the websites and everything like that. Yeah, it's basically you go to Munsters.com. That's the easiest way to get everything else leads from Munsters.com. That'll get you to the official Munsters fan group. It'll get you to my Twitter. It'll get you to everything else that's out there. Just remember, it's simple, it's easy. Just like the show, Munsters.com. 
and that gets you scheduling, uh, the merch, the, t- the store, and everything Munsters you may need. And I'm a huge fan of the Funko Pop vinyls. I collect way more than I should, and I think it's awesome that you've got your very own Funko Pop vinyl. You have arrived when that's happened. Yeah, <laughs> I, I see a lot of those come across my table. They're fun. Absolutely. Well, Butch Patrick, uh, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck, and uh, we'll have to uh, please keep us apprised of how everything goes with Seth Meyers. We'd love to see you take on the Munsters again. Thank you, James. Appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great day. There he goes, Butch Patrick himself. We are going to take our first break. We'll be back with author Victor Gishler talking about his new series from Marvel Legacy, Spirits of Vengeance, right after this. This is Sam Jones, Flash Gordon, and you are listening to geek to me Radio. We are back live on air, and we mentioned earlier our uh, sponsor, Tenacious Eats. If you were out there for the Beetlejuice event last night, it was fantastic. A full house, a sold-out crowd, a lot of people dressed in costume. You got to watch the classic 1988 film, Beetlejuice. And luckily for you, even though that one was sold out, there are other events planned. We've already got, I think Chef Liz said there are maybe only about a dozen tickets left for planes, trains, and automobiles, which will be their November event. So you want to make sure to go online. TenaciousEats.com is their website. It's called Full Contact Dining for a reason. And I'm the new MC for these events as well, as uh, Chef Liz being the show sponsor, uh, Tenacious Eats kind enough to be one of our official sponsors so we had uh last night there was obviously the the harry belafonte music calypso style influence so we had a limbo contest there was a, a, a prize given for the best michael keaton impression of doing their beetle juice we had trivia it was a fantastic time and best of all you get a five course gourmet meal that chef liz and her other chefs whip up as you're watching the movie uh each course corresponds to a different scene in the movie because she studies film and she's a culinary genius. She combines these two worlds, and it is amazing. If you haven't been to one before, you really need to check them out. TenaciousEats.com is the website. They've got previous menus up there, so you can kind of get a feel for what she's done with other movies. And she'll post her menus for the upcoming shows as well. In December, Home Alone will be the featured film for the Christmas holiday season, and there are still tickets available for that as well. Once again, check out the website, TenaciousEats.com. Very, very proud to have them as a sponsor of Geek to Me Radio. We're going to jump right into our next guest. He is a very ubiquitous author. He's got a lot of novels out there. He's, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Gun Monkeys was his first novel out there, and it's been optioned for a film adaptation. He is currently writing Spirits of Vengeance for Marvel's Legacy, and I love the book from the 90s. We are joined by Victor Gishler. Thank you very much for joining us on air. Oh, thank you. Glad to be here. So, Spirits of Vengeance, I, uh, I read this comic. I think I still have the entire collection from the 90s. Um, when Marvel greenlit this as their new book for Legacy, did they give you any direction as far as uh, keeping anything from the old book, or is this, did they give you carte blanche to do what you want? Uh, well, they, they approached me and said, it's going to be a mini. It'll be five or six issues. We don't know yet. It just depends on the story. Uh, you know, it's going to be... 
Hellstorm, it's going to be Ghost Rider, it's going to be Satana, um, actually, and it's going to be Blade. Mm. And actually, they said it's going to be it's going to be either Johnny Blaze or Danny Ketch or both. It's going to be one of those Ghost Riders or maybe both. And I said, well, you know, I grew up on Johnny Blaze. Mm-hmm. That's, that, that's my Ghost Rider. So yeah. I choose if I can choose, I choose Johnny Blaze. And they said that's fine. Uh, so you know, I mean, I kind of knew the cast of characters already ahead of time. They, they said, this is going to be the team, and you, we need you to pitch some ideas for a good story that would fit into a five- or six-issue mini. And so the first story, like right out of the gate, I had kind of a an aborted project from some other thing, you know. And I said, you know, that idea, that project's not going to go, but that idea at its core is pretty good. What do you think of this? And I just pitched him the idea, but adapted for our characters and our, for our situation. And they said, yeah, that's great. That's good. We're good to go. And then we, the next thing I know, we are just developing that idea. And uh, as, far as, as far as, you know, maintaining a sort of feel of the book from the 90s, you know, we want to, we want to plow ahead with a brand new story, right? But we do, but we do want to like maintain that vibe. So, so maybe, maybe for nostalgia purposes, you know, it's got that good vibe. But as far as a story, you know, we're just we're just looking ahead to tell the best story we can. And I, I loved it. I, I read it uh, twice, and I loved it. I'm excited for the second issue coming out here. And uh, The Nerdist and Bleeding Cool had great write-ups on you, too. Uh, very favorably uh, spoken about the book so far. So I guess when when you do something, I, I'm assuming it's different versus a novel against a comic book. But when you do a comic book and you write this and you get a lot of great praise for it, is that kind of like, you don't you kind of don't take it either way uh it could have gone the other way where they didn't like it do you just kind of i'm doing my story and if people like it great if not oh well well you know you can't you can't let reviews either good or bad govern what you're doing mm-hmm. uh at the same time i'm not oblivious to the reviews you know once once I, you know, when the reviews started coming in and I saw that we were, we were in good shape, you know, um, I, then, then that's about as far as I take the reviews. I just kind of want to check, see that we're <laughs> doing all right, and then if we are, then I've got to just go back, put the blinders on and go back to work. And is there any chance, I know it's a, you know, a lot of comics have started as a miniseries, but then expanded into a full series on its own. Is there any talk that, hey, if the reviews keep up and if everyone likes this, it could go on as an ongoing series? I think for any comic, if the reviews are good and they're selling a lot of comics, then that's, that's always a possibility. Um, and, uh, and, if, and if I did a good enough job that you know we inspired an ongoing, that'd be great. I would... I would be proud of that. Uh, but right now, you know, I just got to keep my, my head on what I'm doing, you know, and just think, okay, I got to get to issue five. <laughs> you know, I, right. gotta, I, I got five <laughs> issues and I got to make each issue the best I can. And then that's my job. So you've got, you've got a PhD in English. Uh, obviously, you knew that you wanted to go into writing and everything like that. How, uh, what, what kind of work do you as an author enjoy reading? What, what kind of uh, work excites you when you just kind of, I don't want to write today, I just want to read and do something else? 
Um, you know, I, I'm all over the place. I'm all over the place. And, um, I mean, the only thing, like, it would, it's easier to say what I don't read than okay. what I do read. Okay. For, for example, I don't read in the romance genre. And that's not, that's not a knock on the romance genre. That's just not a genre for me. Right. Uh, but I read literary stuff. I read, um, I, I read uh, science fiction. I love fantasy. Right now, as an author and a reader, uh, fantasy is kind of mm-hmm. my big thing right now. Um, but, you know, I love satirical things. I love Kurt Vonnegut. You know, I, when I was in grad school, Kurt Vonnegut was one of my primary figures of uh, my primary areas of study. So I'm a huge Kurt Vonnegut fan. And, uh, you know, that's his, his sort of satirical style influenced a good bit of my novel writing. Mm. So, so I'm, I'm really all, I'm really all over the place. There are a few things I'm, I'm just not going to get into probably, but most everything I'll give it a chance and I'll, I'll find something that I like, you know, whether it's science fiction, if it's comics, film, you know, the thing is people think of film, as a visual medium, obviously it is. Right. But, but, but there are writers, you know. Yeah, absolutely. There, there are writers there, too, and I appreciate good screenplays. You know, I appreciate good film writing. So, uh, you know, I just go wherever I feel like I can scratch whatever particular itch I have at the moment. And t- talking about that exact thing, uh, we mentioned in your intro that Gun Monkeys, your debut novel, has been optioned for film adaptation. Is there any, in the back of your mind, I'm not sure if, the, if uh, every author is unique or if this is something that, that you kind of consider when you're writing it, would you ever write and think, this would make a great movie and just kind of hope that happens? Or is it kind of like, meh, if it happens, great. Is there, uh, with, as you said, film kind of being the new novel for people nowadays, is that always in the back of your mind a little bit when you're doing novels? Uh, it's not in my. It's not in the back of my mind that it might be optioned. Although most most of the things I've written have either are optioned or have been optioned at one time. So, so I guess I do expect that it's possible now. Uh, but when I'm writing, I, it's not that I think it could be optioned or that it'd be a good movie. But I do try to think cinematically. You know, I do try to think of a scene as something that unfolds visually, even though it's the printed word, I'm trying to uh, maybe create a little movie inside the reader's mind. So I'm, I'm always thinking cinematically. Not, not always, but, you know, 95% of the time. Right, right. Uh, we're going to take another break. Are you okay to hang with us for one more segment? Oh, yeah, no problem. All right, fantastic. We are talking with Victor Gishler, Marvel's Spirits of Vengeance. You can grab that on newsstands now. We'll be right back after this. This is Barry Boswick, and damn it, Janet, would you just keep listening and come back to Geek to Me Radio, will you? I have one thing to say, and that's damn it, Janet, I love you. We are back. This segment brought to you by our newest sponsor, Popcorn Buddha. Popcorn Buddha USA is the website, and if you like popcorn, and who doesn't, you're going to love this website. Check them out, popcornbuddhausa.com. The guy has over 80 flavors of popcorn savory flavors sweet flavors everything in between uh if it's you know coming up in the holiday season you want to get a big special gift for somebody you go on their website they'll ship anywhere 
And for our listeners only, the uh, gentleman Craig who runs everything over there was very kind, gave us an exclusive coupon code to go to the website, Popcorn Booty USA, put in your order, what you want, what flavors, what sizes, where you're shipping it. Enter the coupon code GEEK, G-E-E-K, and it takes 15% off your subtotal. Uh, send a couple of those out as gifts to relatives, to friends, coworkers. Bring it in to your place. Have it shipped to you. Take it to office parties, family gatherings, because I guarantee it's going to go quick. He was kind enough to send me a shipment, and he had about a dozen different flavors in there. And I'm just going to say one thing, barbecue bacon. You're welcome. It's amazing. Uh, he sent me New York-style cheesecake flavor. They had Funfetti. He has a special witch's brew, which is up there for the Halloween season. Uh, they've got chocolate. They've got puppy chow. It's ridiculously amazing the number of flavors he has and how good every single one of them is. So if you want to take advantage of that 15% off coupon, check them out at popcornbuddhausa.com. Enter that coupon code GEEK at checkout. Very excited to have Popcorn Buddha as one of our official sponsors as well. We're going to go back to the phone lines. We've been chatting with author extraordinaire Victor Gishler. Uh, Talked a little bit about his newest book from Marvel, the Spirits of Vengeance series. All the other books you've done in the past, the other comic books, I should say, uh, you've done a great run on Deadpool, Merc with a Mouth, and you even on the Deadpool core got to work with the creator, Rob Liefeld. When you get to work on a book with the creator of the character, is that a little intimidating? Well, first of all, I just want to say that I'm not going to be able to get the words barbecue and bacon out of my mind now. So that, that's, that's primarily what I'm thinking about. Happens to the best when, of us. When, you know, Deadpool, the thing about Deadpool is that that was, that was probably the least, when I was doing, especially when I was doing Deadpool, Merc with a Mouse, because that was the first Deadpool book mm -hmm. I did. Um, that just felt the least like work of anything <laughs> I ever did for Marvel. It was so fun. And of course, you know, Liefeld created Deadpool. I mean, you know, no matter what he does for the rest of his life, you, you know, he could go out and kick a puppy in the head tomorrow and it'd be like, <laughs> ah, that's okay. He created Deadpool. He's cool, you know, right? right. So, uh, I mean, I wouldn't say, you know, I wouldn't say that I felt intimidated. I mean, I was respectful that, you know, I was working with the guy that created Deadpool. But, you know, <clears throat> there, there are layers of, you know, editors and people between me and the and the artist, usually mm. uh, it's different on a creator own book, but like with Marvel, I, I find most of the time I'm 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 sending stuff to the editor, and then the editor's working with the artist. So you know I'm I'm kind of a couple of steps removed from it. So you know that maybe alleviated any possible sure. you know intimidation factor. And you've worked with, I mean, I should say you work with, you've, you've written for some of the most iconic Marvel characters. You did the X-Men mm -hmm. books, uh, 1 through 29. You wrote uh, The Fear Itself with the Hulk. You got yeah. to do Wolverine and the Punisher. So when you when you are working on these these types of characters, and obviously we are now in this golden age where we're seeing them all on the big screen, uh, do you feel like when you see them, whether it's a, the Netflix series we have the Punisher coming out, or if you're watching Deadpool with Ryan Reynolds, do you kind of... Uh, you, you must, to some extent, view these with a different eye than most, since you've actually written and put words in these characters' mouths yourself. I mean, a little bit yes and a little bit no. I, I, have, I actually haven't seen all of the movies and shows mm. you're talking about. I've seen some, and they're good. I thought the first Iron like, for example, the first Iron Man was great. Oh, yeah. You know, Robert Downey Jr. just nailed Tony Stark, I thought. Absolutely. Um, 
But I haven't actually, I don't really rush to the theater to see these movies when they come out necessarily. Not, not, not because I have anything against these movies. I'm just not motivated because I, I prefer a comic book experience. I prefer that the artists draw the characters Rather, rather than the actors play the characters. Am yeah, I making sense? no, that's interesting. I, yeah. I, I, so, so you know, I have, I have, you know, what I have found out being on the inside of this, as you say, you know, being the person that does the writing is, you know, my script goes out and it's just words, and then art comes back, and I'm like, wow, look at that art. That look at that art. That's awesome. You know, and and uh, I, you know, I and I, I, I don't like the artist being out of my comic book experience although those movies are fun i'm not saying nothing against the movies obviously they're a lot of fun and, not, and they made like a bajillion bucks right right so so people like them but it's just i i, I um i hadn't intended i hadn't intended that, to have that experience but i sort of when the 10th person said well wait a minute what do you mean you haven't seen avengers and I'm like, well, I, I don't know. I just didn't, never got around to seeing it. And, I, and I, so I started asking myself, well, wow, what's, what's your deal, dude? And, and that's when I realized, you know, that I, would, I wouldn't be going to see art. I'd be seeing actors. And that's fine. That's what you do when you go to see a movie. You see actors. But I, I want to see the art. And you've got some artists you're working with on Spirits of Vengeance. Uh, some of the variant covers that we've got uh, Chip uh, uh, Zarsky and Mark, uh, Mark Texiera, who did some of the original Ghost Rider right. uh, books in the right. 90s. And you're working on the series with David Baldion. Uh, that's got to be a dream lineup because you've got some great talent working. And when you see the images for the, the words you're writing, it's got to be kind of an even bigger high than just writing the book itself when you're seeing the art that's associated with it. No, it's it's just fantastic art, and I love the whole I, just the whole idea of variant covers. Yeah, to me is because I will be at a show, I'll be at a con, and somebody will bring me something to sign, and I'm like, oh, I didn't I didn't write that, and they're like, yeah, you did, and I realize it's a variant. I look again, and it's a variant cover I haven't seen. It's like a new it's like a new one or something. Yeah. So so it's like a it's like a little extra little surprise you know and that's that's fun and then and it is, the guys are so talented these guys are so talented and good and i can't draw a thing i mean i cannot draw <laughs> nothing i would be you know i would be i would i wish i had that kind of talent i don't yeah and i'm i'm a sucker for the variant covers so i'll probably be one of those people dropping off a book in front of you that you'd never seen before at an upcoming <laughs> con that's uh, just the way i i do things so yeah, spirits well, of vengeance well. we've got the second issue coming out i think next week if I'm not mistaken, maybe, maybe, yeah. I mean, it's coming. It's coming pretty soon, yeah. And uh, before we let you go, you uh, said in your interview with the Nerdist, you created a brand new character for this series. Can you give us any indication of what we're likely to see, but from this brand new character? Uh, I, well, not I'm not necessarily going to go into uh, the first issue is already out, so it's yes. not necessarily a spoiler to say that the, the new character that I created is the big. Uh, the big lady Razan, okay. R A Z A N, and she's like the she's like the um, chief enforcer for the villain. Um, and when we were when we were discussing uh, creating the book, I said, you know what, we need for the villain, we need like an emperor from Star Wars character, but then we need like a Darth Vader character to execute. The emperor's will. You know, <laughs> you know, we need we need that muscle, and 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 she, 
uh, and we haven't seen much of her. We've, we've seen her, but we don't know much about her. And, uh, and, uh, her background is really cool. And, you know, it, this is, it's a character that I, I would hope somebody, even, even after the mini is over, maybe some other writer will find a use for her or something because she's visually interesting. I think the, you know, David did a great job, uh, creating her look and uh you know i gave her a little bit of a background which we'll hear a little bit more about i mean she's not you know necessarily the focus of the book but it was it's fun to create a new character it's fun to go deep into the archives and pull out a character that hadn't been used in a while mm-hmm. and it's also fun to just create something brand new so i got to do both fantastic and again if you're out there and you're listening right now I cannot recommend Spirits of Vengeance highly enough just based off the first issue. I'm uh, excited to see where you take the characters from here. Uh, just let everybody know if they want to try to look you up on the interwebs, where they can find you out there in Twitter and uh, everything else. Uh, well, I tell you what, I'm pretty active on Twitter. So at my first name and my last name, all Victor Gishler, all one word, and just jump on Twitter with me. And I, I'm, I'm usually, I keep it pretty lighthearted and, you know, I'm just there for fun. Perfect. Victor Gishler, we appreciate your taking time out of your Sunday to be on air with us. Uh, We'll look forward to seeing more of your work coming down the pike. All right. A lot of fun. Appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. We'll be back with our Thor Ragnarok review, talking with Casey Walsh from the Geeks Worldwide. Stand by. Here comes the Spider-Man. Is he strong? Listen, bud. He's got radioactive blood. Can he swing from a thread? Take a look overhead. Hey there, there goes a Spider-Man. Holy cool nothing. Hi, this is Burt Ward, Robin the Boy Wonder from the TV series Batman. You're listening to Geek to Me. Golly gee willikers, it's fantastic. Another one of our fabulous guests, Burt Ward, was on the show with us last year. If you have missed an episode somehow, they are all, luckily, online. You can check them out in several different places. Uh, Previous episodes of the show are on Google Play. We've got them on iTunes, Podomatic, and SoundCloud. And we're working on getting them all up on TuneIn, if you have the TuneIn app on your phone. So we uh, try to get them up there for just about any platform you have. If you want to do a search, geek to me radio and, of course, we're hoping you following us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, also at geek to me Radio. And hopefully you're following this guy we've got on the air with us right now, Casey Walsh from the Geeks Worldwide. Casey, how are you? Good. How are you doing, James? I'm doing well. Uh, lots of stuff happening uh, lately. We've had a lot of new shows drop, a lot of new shows have returned for the fall. Uh, we usually kind of wrap up what's been happening lately with the, the Week in Geek. Where do you want to jump in and start? Oh, man, I, I, we should probably talk about the Shazam casting, no? Yes, yes, I'm excited. So, yeah, so they finally have found their Shazam after months of speculation since they, uh, since they announced the movie was being made. And I think a surprise choice, uh, no one, some guy, a guy that never really expected, and they chose Zachary Levi. Yes, if, uh, if you don't know who that is, first of all, shame on you. If you uh, do, you know him probably from Chuck or as Fandral the Dashing in the Thor movies. But uh, he's uh, surprisingly a good choice. I think people are worried about, well, he's too small. Well, he's do this. But I think people get caught up in physical aspects. No one thought Daniel Craig would be a good Bond. No one thought Michael Keaton would be a good Batman. 
I, yeah, I don't know where the too small thing came from. I've met him and talked to him in person. He is not a small guy. No, no. Uh, I, think, I think he's over six foot tall, if not right at six feet. Um, and, yeah, and he's super nerdy. I mean, he loves comic books, and he hosts, like, this thing called Nerd HQ yeah. at Comic-Con every year. Um, that raises a bunch of money and, and has a bunch of great stuff. So, yeah, he, I think he's going to be a great aspect. I think what, the reason he was cast is because he is very childish at heart. And that's one thing that you have to get with Shazam. He has to be this big, imposing character, but he also has to be a kid still. So I think that that's kind of why he was cast, because he, can, he comes across as this goofy dude. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a good choice. He's uh, he's never let me down as far as anything I've ever seen him in, so I don't have a problem with it. I think it'll be great. Yeah, and let's be honest. With the advent of growth uh, hormone and steroids, these guys have no problem <laughs> gaining weight and buffing up to these roles. That's not going to be an issue. It's not like they get drug tested or anything. So, right. Uh, I think he'll he'll uh, he'll find a way uh, for sure. No problem. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited. I think it's a, I think it's a great choice. I'm I'm glad it happened. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's like I said, a surprising choice. Not not the guy that everyone expected. I think John Cena was the big favorite going into that casting, but uh, I think it'll turn out well. I agree. I agree. So, what else uh, recently has been happening that you want to touch on? Oh man, I mean, we got Black Panther trailer uh, dropped last week, I think, and it, I that continues to just blow my mind uh, every time I see it. Uh, I think the music choices for those trailers are really selling that movie really well. Um, and I, something that I hear bringing up, not people don't bring up a lot, that cast is all black. Like, we're talking about maybe this may be the first blockbuster movie that has, like, a predominantly black cast. Yeah, yeah, and it's, I think it, it, that's uh, needed to be the case, especially this one. And I like the fact that Marvel is uh, not unafraid to do these things. They're not, uh, they're, they're not holding any punches back. Doctor Strange was... a kind of a big departure from the other Marvel movies. Uh, same in a way with Ant-Man. I think Black Panther is also going to be that same. It's going to be connected to the Marvel Universe, but each one has had its own feel. And I think uh, I'm kind of excited to see, you know, Michael B. Jordan and uh, all, the, all the, the the cast they've got for this is a great cast. Yeah, I, I think the, the trailer comes across as very generic. Like it does come across very Iron Man 1-y, where he's kind of fighting this clone villain of himself. Uh, but I think a lot of things about that movie are going to surprise people, mainly probably the political aspects of it. Because I think one thing that doesn't come across in the trailer is uh, Michael B. Jordan's character is actually American. So he's going to go, they're going to go with the Killmonger origin where he was kind of exiled from Wakanda as a child and was raised in America. So it's going to be interesting to see what it's like for that, for a person of that ilk to come back to this kind of area where he was, his family was kind of shunned from. And I think if anybody is unfamiliar with Black Panther, I think they need to get out there and grab some of the trade paperbacks. And even there's a couple of issues, uh, episodes of, uh, of not Avengers Assemble, but Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, uh, which was the predecessor, and that focused on Black Panther and his origin and uh, the, the nation of Wakanda. And I think people need to get caught up so they don't go into this kind of, well, I'm not sure what I'm seeing, and don't end up liking it because they didn't understand it. I think uh, this is another one of those movies where people need to kind of learn about the character before you go see it for crying out loud. There's plenty of stuff out there. He's been around since 1967, I think. Yeah, he's been around a long time. And if you want to know more about Black Panther, we should have a podcast dropping on our network called In Mr. Nerd. And he will be going over Black Panther next. He's going over each kind of Marvel character in alphabetical order. 
so Black Panther is the next one on the list just in time for the movie. So, yeah, st- stick it to uh, the GWW.com, and you can find out all you need to know about Black Panther from the It Is For Nerd podcast. Perfect. And it's for Nerd Podcast. And again, that's uh, if you want to find the website, thegww.com. And uh, make sure you're following the Geeks Worldwide on Twitter as well, at the underscore GWW. Uh, Casey, we're going to wrap it up here. Do you want to come back for our next segment and stick with us for the, for the ending? Absolutely. Okay. We're going to throw Casey on hold. We're going to take our next break. We'll come right back to wrap everything up, talk a little Thor Ragnarok right after this. Hello, this is Kari Payton, King Ezekiel from The Walking Dead, and I encourage everyone to listen to Geek to Me. It's a lovely program. Would I ever steer you wrong? The Walking Dead returned last weekend. It was a fantastic episode. I always think about all the zombies and everything and where you'd go to hide out, and uh, you see some of the sets they use. One of the cooler sets, if you want to say, we've got in the greater St. Louis area here, historic St. Charles. It's beautiful. It's picturesque. And I'm not sure why more movies and TV shows aren't shot down there. It's gorgeous. And right now, today is the last day of Legends and Lanterns. If you are a Halloween fan, if you haven't had a chance to get out there yet and see it, go out and check it out. From South Main all the way along up to North Main, they've got uh, Baron Samdi, they've got Lizzie Borden, they've got Guy Fox. We had Ryan Cooper, the director, on a few weeks ago talking about the event. It is a ridiculously good time. I just went out yesterday and walked up and down the street, had my fortune told. I interviewed, or I talked to uh, Igor. Uh, Frank, you know, went and fetched the parts for Frankenstein. He, he'll tell you his story. It's really a lot of fun. There's a guy dressed as Edgar Allan Poe who will tell you all about his history. So there's something fun to do for the whole family. You get yourself a passport book and all the characters have a little sticker you can the kids can put in their book to uh, see they've met everybody and it, it's just a family-friendly event. It's a lot of fun in a it couldn't be a more picturesque atmosphere for a Halloween festival like that. Legends and Lanterns going on right now and check out their website for all the upcoming events in the coming months at discover stcharles.com and follow them on Twitter, discoverstc. We are wrapping things up right now with Casey Walsh talking about all the things going on. Casey, I know you you didn't get to see Thor yet. I think you're seeing it soon. See it tomorrow. Um, I, I got the chance to see it, and it is fantastic. Um, if some What you've seen already, if you had to sum it up in three words, what would you say? Oh, man, I think the logo sums it up. <laughs> all, you know, all you need to know about that movie. It's fun bright colorful and just looking at it you're just gonna have a blast i agree casey walsh you can find him online the or the gww.com and at the underscore gww casey thanks for being with us today thanks so much james and thank you guys everybody out there we will be back next sunday take note of the new times sunday 2 p.m to uh, here central and always find us online at geektomeradio.com. That's it for us. We'll be back next week. Thank you, Halloween Town. Good night. <laughs>